many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. So, Satu, you and I were just talking about Finnish pronunciations of things. So. Yes, Boomer, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> I, I think uh, there are more than a few people in the biohacking industry who say that my Finnish needs a little bit of work. It's a tough language. You you might be uh, might take some time, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about uh, stress and extreme forms of stress leading to something called burnout. And before we dive a little bit deeper into this subject, let us acknowledge one thing. Uh, the World Health Organization recently came out and added this to its International Classifications of Diseases Handbook. And this was specifically in relation to uh, burnout from work. And so before we get into this, we need to throw a disclaimer here. Neither Satu or I are a medical physician. If you need medical advice, please go see your doctor. What we're doing today is discussing a very important subject and the relation of it to our particular native countries, but also the places where we live. And we're going to be talking about it in terms of what you as a person in an organization can do experiencing burnout, but also what your organization can do in general. And so if you just, again, to reiterate, if you need medical advice, please go see your doctor. Nobody wants to see you do anything stupid or irrational here. So with that, the show notes for this one are going to be at decodingsuperhuman.com slash burning the candle. And I hope you guys know how to spell that. And let's get started, shall we, Satu? Yes. We're talking again about a specific situation, which I know I have quite a lot of experience with personally, multiple times actually. But for the majority of the audience, they may not be familiar with the Europeans' perspective on this topic. And so Satu, do you mind just going through a little bit? What is the current state of affairs uh, within the Nordics or Sweden? Yeah, um, we in the Nordics, we take care of our people. I think that's a good place to start with. The society really emphasizes on the fact that we we take care of people when they get sick or including if you get burnt out. And I think here, over here, we talk more about getting exhausted uh, rather than using the word burnout. So we talk about hitting the wall instead of saying burnout. Um, maybe that's just a softer way of saying it. Um, but all in all, the society and the the companies here pay a crazy amount of money uh, for rehabilitation of people who have then hit the wall, so to speak. I just looked at the recent numbers. There's quite a large variety when you start Googling, like how much the Swedish society has paid for burnout cases. It varies based on the source from $8 million to $20 million. Uh, I've translated million it. Million or billion? Million uh, dollars uh-huh. in a year um, for for um, uh, cases of rehabilitation of, of burnouts. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, how much a corporate pays for one individual, there was an estimate of 50000 per individual. And once again, dollars um, if you have an employee who is burnt out. So wow. it is a huge cost, but also it's very nice and comfort- comforting to understand that you won't get kicked out or left alone. Now, 
then there's also the discussion like why are there so many cases of burnouts in Sweden or in the Nordics or even in the in, in Europe I've, I've come to understand and the amount is increasing um, year after year and I think there we can talk later about this but there there is some sort of a responsibility uh, that leaders of companies should have to do prehab instead of rehab and and prevent these things from happening and uh, to be able to manage and lead individuals better and to identify um, signals of exhaustion, whether it is mental or physical, um, and then to to address them in time so that we won't go into the wall, Mm -hmm. as we say. Uh, Let's talk a little bit. I'm going to talk about my adopted homeland of the Netherlands uh, for a second. And then I'll take you through a little bit of a personal story. And then we'll get into the United States because I think some of the numbers that I was seeing in the United States are particularly startling. But uh, the Netherlands right now, which call it a 18, 19 million people population. In the 90s, the Netherlands, 10% of the workforce was burnt out. Now it's up to 13. So you're seeing a pretty significant increase in the amount of workers that are experiencing burnout. Now this is a multi, I'm from my understanding, billion dollar problem in the Netherlands. And there is cases of burnout abuse. So when we talk a little bit about uh, burnout and how to recognize burnout, there are very functional tests out there where one can look at uh, things like cortisol, for instance, and identify uh, issues and kind of get the data behind the burnout. But let's let's talk uh, a little bit about what some of these burnout symptoms uh, look like. And I, like always, want to open the kimono here and talk a little bit about my own life. So working in finance, you're told that Uh, It is a high-performing field, and it is. Uh, In some ways, I think that the system is designed to weed out people who are unable to, uh, just unable or unwilling to break themselves, sorry, Mm. unwilling to not break themselves. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if you leave the field of finance. I did. But let's talk a little bit about some of the things that I went through in the process. Now, Well, in twenty, from the age of twenty-two to twenty-four, I worked arguably a bare minimum of sixty hours a week, and in some cases, it was up to a hundred plus. And that would mean that I would get to the office around eight or nine a.m. and I would probably leave around two or three. Uh, luckily, they provided a car to get us home, but you can imagine it's not quite a healthy or sustainable way of living. No. Now, because. I love productivity. One can question if you're productive if you're productive when you're in a state of working 20, 20 hours a day. And the short answer is no. You begin to make mistakes, especially around Friday or Thursday. I was basically making mistakes on every single pitch book page. But what did this lead to from my perspective? Of course, I got tired and exhausted and occasionally woke up and wished that I just got hit by a taxi cab. But uh, you know, on its extreme case, I've collapsed in the shower. I've been sent to the hospital for exhaustion. And I just kept going. I kept pushing through it because in my mind, I told myself, and this was bad language. I told myself that if I can't do this, 
I'm not going to be good. I'm not going to get my bonus. I'm not going to get my promotion, mm. et cetera. And there's a lot of problems with that language. But I share that story because it kind of, well, in a way, I, I was born in the United States. I have a very much a Puritan work ethic and attitude yeah. towards the work atmosphere. And so let's dovetail a little bit now into what's the situation in the United States. And I think this broadly applies to certain places in Asia as well. So burnout is, let, let's let's talk some percentages here. So 40% of office workers are believed to feel some sort of burnout. And these are based on surveys, which we'll link to in the show notes. Uh, 31% of workers are engaged, meaning that about 69% of them are disengaged at work. Mm-hmm. The American Institute of Stress and the fact that that institute even exists tells you something about how bad this problem is. The American Institute of Stress estimates that burnout is a $300 billion problem in the United States. Now, that could be result in productivity loss. That could be result in people out of work, et cetera. But it's a $300 billion problem. Now, a Gallup poll estimated that the problem related to disengaged workers, which is a little bit more about what we're going to talk about when we come to the leadership side of things, mm. is about $500 billion, which $500 billion is the GDP of Sweden. So- This is very interesting to me to see that the problem is so large, but the attitude in the United States is one of deal with it and deal with it yourself, which, and this is getting better at certain firms. Mm. And it's certainly, it seems like the tide is changing on the, the wellness front. Uh, And I use that term with some hesitation. On the wellness front in the United States, there are more companies that are paying attention to it. People like Ariana Huffington and others have Mm. done a very good job of just bringing the awareness to the problem. And what I've found interesting about this is that, you know, it doesn't have to be this way, right? Like the fact that 70% of the workforce is going to work and not really engage with it is pretty pretty severe. Yeah. And so what I want to throw out there as a challenge to everybody is that, you know, this needs to change. And if the problem is really that significant, and again, these are polls, which we'll link to in the show notes, but if the problem is really that significant, you know, that's going to have a major, major impact on GDP, but also an impact on just everybody's lives on a day-to-day basis and overall happiness, which is of course important. But let's talk about Rather than just being negative about this, which it Mm. seems like I have been for the past couple of minutes, let's talk a little bit about uh, things that we can do within an organization to make this situation a little bit better. All right. So you guys are probably wondering, what are the brands of blue light blockers that I recommend? Well, one of them is the sponsor for today's podcast, and they are Blue Blocks. I've had the CEO, Andy Mant, on the show before where we got into a really deep dive on blue light. And you know that if you get any amount of blue light in your glasses, no matter if it's 3%, 10%, whatever, it does disrupt melatonin production. And so Andy has created blue light blockers that hold up to the highest standards. And in fact, and I'll link to it in the show notes, you can see when he's tested it versus other brands that they always come out on top. 
And so quality is a thing I appreciate and is what exactly I recommend for all of our clients. But if you head over to blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and plug in the code DS15, you're going to get 15% off. And now on with the show. Because Satu, you and I were talking about this before we decided to go down this wormhole and you had some pretty interesting perspectives there. Yeah, thank you, Boomer. And, and first of all, thank you for sharing your own personal story. I think that's always interesting and, and uh, very honest as well, like we want to be at Decoding Superhuman. Um, <laughs> um, also, uh, I yeah, I've seen a lot of companies. I've seen quite a m- lot of people throughout my consultancy years, and uh, some of them have gone through burnouts and managed them. And And I think all in all, what we should become better at is the way we lead people. Um, just, just a generic observation. And what do we mean by that? I think identifying signals, identifying personality types so that we can personalize the way we lead individuals because not all of us work the same way. And you could have high-performing individuals who don't want to work 24-7 and still do an incredible job and hit their targets without hitting the wall. As I mentioned earlier, we like to call it that way in in Sweden, hitting the wall. Um, It's much more positive than what I used. I don't know. Yeah. Well, hitting the wall then <laughs> at least there's a, a way, way out. You can always, uh, unhit the wall, I guess. Um, but anyhow, so from a manager of, of a team, it requires quite a lot of effort to be able to lead individuals in an individualized way and to really get the maximum out of people and how to get the max out of people really doesn't mean that you sort of coach them towards a burnout because the downside of telling people who are eager to work, like you also said, like probably in your early career, you just wanted to be a really good worker. And uh, by giving you positive feedback, like you're on the right track, do more of this, do more of this. You're just encouraging sort of the bad behavior at the end. Um, So you need to also, as a manager, as a leader, to be able to say, stop, no, pull the brakes, help the person to manage that workload early on before it goes too far. Because when you're dealing with a high-performing person who wants to reach all these goals in their careers, uh, there is a big risk that you are not, as the individual uh, in question, you're not able to see when it goes too far because you're already there. Um, also, I've, now if we go back to what is negative about this, I do believe that the way we communicate about burnout is also something that we need to address. I've been in meeting rooms, I've been in leadership team meetings where executives have discussed um, individuals and their personality types and categorize people with the, what is the risk for them to be burnout victims. And also when recruiting, I think the worst thing that you can do is to start looking at a person like, what is the risk? Will this person 
actually perform or is there a risk that they will burn out? If there is a risk of burning out, we don't want to hire him or her. And and honestly, this I've is like heard... a classic question in interviews where yeah. you get asked, like, what are your strengths? And you're told, you know, I work too hard. Um, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's, sorry, I, I laughed because I probably gave that answer at some point. Yeah, no, I haven't been all, all we, we've been there, many of us. Um, but that that is really the corporate responsibility and the leadership responsibility that you as an executive need to take, that you don't do that. You don't encourage the bad behavior. And, and the good behavior would be that we all can perform on a high level without sacrificing our health, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said by, for leading by example too. And yeah. this is something I've become acutely aware of in my own life. Just sort of, um, if you're the boss of the team you know, and you don't want your team to work on the weekends, yeah, maybe you shouldn't either. Or if you are, you know, don't send the emails to people on the weekends. Uh, same thing goes with vacation, right? Like enjoy your vacation. Um, you, this does appear to be borderline epidemic level. So we want to take this seriously and make sure that people are in a way uh, ad- addressing it. And one of the things that I know Satu, you're a big fan of is the leading by example one. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned communication and language and we have this, this device on our face called a mouth that seems to create a lot of things for us, both good and bad. But one of the, uh, important areas that I like to focus on, especially lately, and to to a certain extent, I credit you uh, with getting (laughs) me to focus on this, is language. And there's actually a course out there, and I'm just going to give a shout out to him because it's a really good course. Uh, Mike Bloodsoe, who created Barbell Shrugged, created Mm. a course called Procabulary. That's P-R-O-cabulary. And it's a very good course about just how the little things that we do with our language can create worlds for us or they can narrow the world for us and i think that's very important for people to look at absolutely thank you for sharing that i love that that's my favorite topic like all the smallest details in in the language whether it's written or or verbal how they affect our brains we could have another episode about just that oh we're gonna do it because i'm learning so much about language right now that i want to i want to spread language around the world right So when we're looking at burnout or just looking at just fatigue in general, and let's talk about it in terms of fatigue. If you're saying to yourself, uh, or if you're the type like me who sometimes fails to acknowledge this, there are a couple of markers that you can have a look at on either a day-to-day basis or a quarterly basis, or sometimes even half yearly or annual basis. And, you know, the day-to-day marker that seems to be our favorite lately is heart rate variability. Uh, Of course, that is a signal to the health of your nervous system. And if you are stressed and if you are pounding your stress bucket, as our good friend David Heitman likes to say, Mm -hmm. you are going to see that reflected in your heart rate variability. Now, another way to actually look at the underlying, you know, if you're opening up the hood of the car and you are driving a 1967 Mustang, it may be worthwhile every once in a while to just sort of check the oil, right? And the oil in this case would be cortisol. And there are very good tests out there to do 24-hour cortisol tests. Uh, Again, this isn't medical advice. This is just a way to look at really health optimization, frankly. And when you can look at a 24-hour cortisol test, there is 
some merit, actually a ton of merit in looking at the cortisol awakening response, which is all available in things like the Dutch plus test, uh, as well as just getting a simple 24 hour cortisol test. You can do that with saliva, you can do it with urine in most places in the world right now, you can buy those things over the counter. So those are just a couple of ways for you guys to check. If you're kind of thinking like, Hey, I'm a little stressed. Should I be waving the red flag and trying to get some help? Mm. Those are couple of good ways for you to just check those before you go in and do anything a little bit crazy or push yourself further. Yeah. I think those are very valuable uh, tips to have as an individual. Um, I would like to add, if you don't mind, from a leadership perspective, um, what are the signals that you should look into in your um, company, in your teams, in the individuals? And that could be a verbal signal, how they speak, how they interact, or they could be also physical signals. So irritation typically is a signal that we can feel that, okay, this person is a little bit stressed. When a person who is naturally very talkative suddenly starts to shut down a bit more and his or her sentences start to become shorter and shorter, it's also a signal if that's repetitive over a few months or, or weeks or or so that could be an, a signal of uh, this person being on the edge, not necessarily burnt out, but uh, something is going on. Also, if the person is more and more tired, um, sleep issues, uh, if, if uh, they either communicate about it or if you can actually see that they're not able to perform because their brain is just not functioning in the way that it should anymore. Um, and uh, combined with different ways of, of taking a step back. If you're not uh, anymore joining the common events like lunches or, or you want to decline meetings or activities with your team members, that could also be a sign of that there's something wrong. Uh, then, of course, there are those more severe situations, which I've also heard and seen, unfortunately, where a person physically collapses at the office and um, there we've already, of course, gone way too far and we were not able to see the signals in, in advance. Um, then we need to address it in a, in a medical way, of course. Absolutely. So the key here is, is you know, be proactive, uh, have a look, make sure that both you, your team are functioning optimally, maybe even have a look underneath the hood. Let's wrap this up now. You got one life, live it optimally. Show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash burning the candle. Have an absolutely epic day, superhumans. Superhumans, before you go, if you enjoy the episode, if you enjoy all of our episodes, head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. It would really, really help get the word out on what we're doing here at Decoding Superhuman. Feedback. If you want to give us direct feedback or you want to see us cover a specific topic, whether on the shorter episodes or the longer episodes, head on over to your email and email us at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. For those of you who have sent emails to that address, you know that I respond to every single one. And then lastly, would you like 300 to 500 words of highly curated information on how to upgrade performance? If so, Head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com slash throwdown and you'll get our next issue of the throwdown, which is our 300 to 500 word highly curated digest, if you will, on what's going on in the field of performance. Enjoy your day, superhumans, and thank you 
from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's episode.